Getting results quickly definitely did help. Um, it, it helped massively in the way that I only signed up about my, my first four, four or five clients before referrals started to roll through. Mm. Welcome to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we are sitting down with Jordan Platten to talk social media marketing. This dude was able to scale his agency from zero to 10K per month in under 90 days, which is pretty significant in the social media marketing space. In this episode, he's going to walk through exactly how he gets clients, how you can start to reach out to clients more effectively, what services you should be offering clients, how much you should be charging them, all of those questions that um, beginning social media marketers have when they are trying to get started in this space. Jordan is going to break it all down A to Z and show you exactly what you need to be doing. I'm super stoked to be talking to this guy. He's coming at us from the UK. He's a young dude who is absolutely crushing the game, has built a team around him already, and is just doing some big, big things in the social media marketing world. So without further ado, let's welcome Jordan Platin to Young Smart Money. Jordan, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, it is my pleasure. So our listeners got to hear a bit about you in the intro to the episode, but for those of them that aren't familiar with who you are and what you're doing right now, give us a quick like 60 to 90 second intro of um, what Jordan Platten's up to right now. Cool. So, okay, so hey guys, um, hopefully I've already been introduced, but my name's Jordan Platten and um, I'm a social media marketer from the UK and um, I work with companies all over the world on Facebook ads and Instagram advertisements, help, helping them to get more revenue per month. And I also own a training business where I basically mentor people, aspiring entrepreneurs, young to old, and help them to launch wild, wildly profitable marketing agencies of their own. So it's really exciting. It's all moving at a thousand miles an hour. And that's, uh, that's me in a quick rundown. Awesome. I love it. And that's something that a lot of young listeners are always hitting me up asking me about um, because I used to run a social media marketing agency back in the day, uh, but now I've transitioned out of that business model more into the podcasting side of things. So I got a lot of listeners that are super interested in what you're doing. So I'm very excited to dive into that. But before we do, I sort of want to flash back in time um, talking about your early upbringing and childhood. So like growing up middle school, high school years, um, I don't know if that's what they call it over across the pond, but I'm talking like 10 to 16 years old. Um, were you somebody who was um, getting into entrepreneurship? Were you taking school seriously? Were you into sports? Like what that time period look like for you? Yeah. Okay. So that, that, that's, that's a question I haven't been asked before. So that's, that, that's a really good question. And um, my, my, my childhood has, is, I wasn't born into a rich nor poor family. We're, we're, we're very kind of middle across the way, but I, I had everything that I needed, but not everything that I wanted. And I think from a very young age that built me, it ingrained a hunger to desire more out of my life and to, to want more. So from like 10 years old or like 11 years old, I'd done a paper round. We used to deliver newspapers around my local village and just for like 10 pounds a week. But that was a lot of money for me back then. I remember I used to play with Pokemon cards and I used to mm. draw the Pokemon cards and sell them to my friends for like a pound a, a drawing on an A4 piece of paper. Um, so I did always have like an entrepreneurial spirit. I didn't sell sweets as like the typical story goes. <laughs> I always had a desire for more. Um, but I think from a young age, I always knew that I needed to work for my money. So whether that meant starting a business or not, I always knew that I needed to get a job or I needed some kind of income coming in. So I managed to kind of jump up a lot of jobs in those early stages of my life. Hmm. So like, what was your first like big, like step into, into entrepreneurship, like fast forwarding from like the Pokemon card stage? Like when did you like start getting serious about things? Was social media marketing the first thing that like really took off for you? Or did you have well, other projects before that? 
I've, I had, I've had definitely had other projects before then. Social media was the first one that, that really kind of took off for me. Um, but I, when I was in college, I, uh, I studied, I was quite artistic, so I studied graphic design. As part of that, we had like a project to come up with some kind of business related to design. And so I came up with the, the standard clothing brand and yeah. I, I designed clothes. And I actually thought, hang on, maybe I can take this away from just a college project and I can actually start selling this. So I built a Shopify store. I started printing these clothes and selling them to people all over the world running some Facebook ads they weren't the strongest of designs in reflection um, and it didn't take off as, as quickly as I wanted it to um, so that was kind of the end of that but then when I joined university because I, I went to university and when I when I joined I I actually used to go out quite a lot I had a quite a typical university experience sure. I used to party quite a lot with friends and I started running a nightclub events business where I would basically promote the nightclubs I would take all the money off the door and the bar would take all of the money or the club would take all the money from the, the bar. Um, and so I did that. I did it probably about four or five nights a week. Actually ended up me getting kicked out of university because I got too kind of stuck into that. And that's, that's a whole other story. So I lost love with the subject and ended up going for that. Um, and January, February time came when it wasn't so busy in university like period for going out. And that kind of failed. And I was left kicked out of university with uh, no business either. So, wow, that's that's wild. So, after after being like sort of kicked out on the street, what what happened next? Like, how did you how did you survive? Like, how were you making money? Where were you living? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so so I was I was renting a place whilst I was at uni, but my my university because we have over here in the UK we get you get a university like grant or a loan, and that was paying for my accommodation. Mm. But then obviously that cut off like pretty much overnight, and I had a very limited amount of savings in place. And I knew that I needed to do something really quickly. And I had a very, very sobering moment because at the time I felt amazing. I felt on top of the world. I was like, okay, I'm this big shot who's running these nightclub events and everyone wants to know me to get into it. And, and it felt really great. And my ego was inflated until I had that sobering moment of being kicked out. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And so I looked around me and I was like, okay, what do normal people do? What does the average person do? Because there's plenty of happier people out and about who live a normal life, work a nine to five, they have family, they have kids, they come home, they, they go through that cycle and they're happy. And so I almost admitted defeat and said, hey, look, maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you, maybe business isn't for you. And so I started looking into jobs which I could work on, which would give me the most flexible income that I could have. And so I actually dived into corporate sales because I knew I was good at talking to people and I worked my way up the corporate sales ladder. So that, that was my next step. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, I know a lot of young listeners are interested in sales as well. So what are some of the things that you picked up throughout your time in sales? So sales was, it was, it was a massive shock to the system to me. And I, I think it's a, a fundamental skill for absolutely any business model you're in. Um, but what sales taught me over anything else was, was discipline. And it was the discipline to, because I was in like tele-sales based roles. So you have to make a set number of calls per day. If not, you're going to get the sack because you don't hit your targets. You, you're no good to the company. And for me, that was my biggest thing that I carried across with my social media agency. It was the fact that I knew that when I was in my sales job, I had somebody behind me who was saying, hey, hit your figures or you're going to get the sack. So when I started my agency, I set specific sales targets, which I knew I had to stick to. And I almost imagined I had that boss behind me. And I was giving myself that same discipline as I had when I was working in a sales job. Because sales, no matter what sales you're in, door to door, telephone, cold calling, whatever it is, it's a numbers game. 
And you have to hit those numbers and be resilient enough to hit those numbers to actually be successful. And in the same way, when I talk about resilience, in sales, you have to understand that rejection is completely normal and you're going to face rejection. And learning to overcome that in sales and actually learning to enjoy rejection because a no is as good as a yes sometimes. You're not wasting following up with someone. I think those are the, probably the two biggest things that I took away from that. Mm, absolutely. So how have you been able to really lean into that rejection? Because I know for a lot of people, they're, they're terrified of rejection. That's really what holds them back from taking action on a lot of different things. So how have you been able to shift your mindset into thinking like, well, a rejection can be as good as a yes sometimes? Well, the thing is with, with rejection is I always say to people, and I get asked this a lot, like when people, because I recommend cold calling and social media and stuff and, and, and people are like, well, what, what happens if, if I face rejection? And I would say that you should just remind yourself that you haven't actually lost anything. Because when you're making a sales call and you're reaching out to a new prospect and you're trying to get hold of someone on the phone or a new business owner, before that call, you hadn't signed them up as a client or you hadn't got a meeting with them. If you screw it up, they, tell you, they hang up on you or whatever, then you still haven't actually lost anything. Nothing has changed since before you went on the phone call. So I think understanding that and accepting that, and once you come to terms with that, you, you're not bothered about it because you haven't lost anything at all. Hmm. I love that. I love that mindset so much. Yeah. I mean, you got nothing to lose and everything to gain when you're just reaching out to people for the first time. Yeah. So what made you transition from that corporate sales role into starting your own uh, social media agency? What, what led to that transition? So I worked my way up probably about four jobs in about four years. I, I never, I've never stayed in a job for longer than a year in my life. <laughs> I just got bored really, really quickly. I got itchy feet. I wanted to move on to the next challenge and I worked my way up pretty quickly to like, quite high levels in those companies with regards to like sales figs and stuff. And I was just ready for something new. And I was sat in the office and one of my friends, I, he came on like the same cycle as me. He was, we're on different journeys, but we used to work together in these same jobs and we'd jump from job to job, generally try and do it together. We did it for at least three jobs. And he quit his job about six months before I did eventually, but he quit his job because he was starting an online business. And at that time, I thought it was crazy. I was like, what, what are you doing? Why are you quitting your job? He's like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to do Amazon FBA. And, and I'm like, I've never heard of these things before. And literally about three to six months after that, he called me up and he was like, Jordan, you need to get out of this, man. Like, I'm in another world over here. Like, I'm, I'm, like trust me, you need to just take this plunge. And, and it was not until about a couple of weeks after that, I called him up and I was just having a general day when I was complaining, I was working away, I was miserable. And I always used to moan to him about my job. And that day he just completely snapped at me. And he was like, I've literally had enough of you, Jordan. He was like, I'm giving you an opportunity here. I'm telling you what life is like on the other side of this fence and you're not jumping into it. And he started talking to me about business models, which I could be good at because of my sales experience, because of the way I communicate with people. And we spoke about social media marketing. And to cut a completely long story short, I just dived into it. I watched YouTube videos, I read books, I invested in mentorship. And at that point I had had enough, but I needed somebody to tell me who was in the position that I wanted to be in. I needed somebody experienced and qualified enough to give me advice to say, hey, Jordan, enough is enough. You need to take control of your life and you need to get out of this if you want to do that. So it's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people just need that push. They just need someone who's in the place that they want to be in telling them like, you got to do this because I mean, you can watch YouTube videos all day, but if you don't start taking action, you're not going to start getting those results. No, no, absolutely not. And that's a, that's a really big problem. A lot of people ask their friends for advice. They ask people who are in the exact same position they're in. They're like, Hey, I want to join, do social media marketing. Well, I want to do this. And their friends are going to shoot it down because they're intimidated. They're in the exact same position they're in. Even your own family are sometimes not, in the, are not qualified 
to give you that bad advice because they're not where you want to be. So I think that's a really tough thing for people to digest when they're asking people for advice that they can easily get shut down, but it's because they're not asking the right people. They're not asking the people who are actually in the position that they want to be in. Absolutely. So did you see success with your social media marketing venture right away or did it sort of take some time to pick up? To be honest, I, I, did, I did pretty well pretty quickly. I, I, managed to, I managed to sign my first two clients within two weeks of starting, wow. which was £2,000 worth of business. And I quit my job straight away and dived in. because, And, and that, that was a massive risk at the time because I, was, I worked my way up at 22 years old. I was earning £50,000 a year, which for a 22-year-old, I don't know what it's like anywhere else in the world. In the UK, £50,000 for 22 is pretty much unheard of. That doesn't really happen an awful lot. But... I had that money, but I didn't have the time freedom. And I had, I was working so hard, working away all the time, working late, and it was just not enjoyable at all. And so I know I needed to get out of it, even if that meant I was going to take in less money. And so that's why I then quit. And then I went full time. And then about 90 days after that, I managed to scale up to 10,000 a month. So I scaled up to six figures in within about 90 days. So it was a pretty quick journey. But it wasn't without its hurdles. Like for instance, and I wouldn't recommend it, I, I signed up my first client without even knowing how to run Facebook ads. And so I had to literally learn, like I have to teach myself like straight away, okay, now you need to know how to do this stuff. Because I, I, I used to, um, I, I read something that Richard Branson said once, he said, if you ever get offered an incredible opportunity and you don't know how to do it, then take the opportunity and worry about that afterwards. Something like that. I probably screwed his quota, but he said something like that and that resonated with me. And so I just thought, just dive into this and then worry about getting the results afterwards. And so I just dived into ads and I just forced myself. I even had to spend a little bit of my money on my first client, but the results were there in the end and it was well worth doing so. so. Mm, that's huge. And I got two friends of mine who are 19 and 22 years old and they've grown their uh, social media marketing agency to over, they've made over $2 million from it um, just in about a year and a half, two years, which is crazy. But like their whole philosophy is like, get the money first and then figure out what to do. Like get the money first, like sell the client first and then figure out how to do the rest of this stuff. Because if you don't get the client, then it doesn't matter if you're a pro at Facebook ads because you have no money coming in. You have no one to run those ads for. So you got to get the money first. And it was literally only this morning I'd, I'd done an Instagram story and I was just talking about the fact that uh, it doesn't even matter if you don't like or enjoy getting doing Facebook ads. There are so many different Facebook technicians out there. There are experts out there which you can outsource this stuff to. And taking a cut of the money off one of your clients, giving somebody that that's some of that service charge is absolutely fine in return for a happy client. I would have a happy client and give away money any day of the week, then take all of the money and have upset clients who aren't going to come back to me. They're going to slag me off. I'm not going to get referrals. So yeah, there's, there's so many solutions out there, but you need to know how to sell first. Mm, that's the truth. So do you think it's because of your like past sales experience that you, were, that you were able to scale your agency so quickly? Or what do you think set you apart from all the agency outs out there that don't scale that quickly? Do you know, I, I, the, the, the biggest thing is because is, is selling with, with, with social media marketing is, is very different to any other kind of sales I've done before. The other, all the sales I've done in tele-sales has been very much hard sales when you're, when you're speaking to somebody and you're trying to sell them something that they don't actually need, but you make them, you make them need it. Okay, mm -hmm. you make them think they need it. And that's, that's the reality of a lot of hard sales jobs out there. But in social media marketing, we're actually offering a service which is so valuable to these businesses. We just need to show them how. And we need to reignite that entrepreneurial spark. We need to reignite them ambitions to want more out of their business. So for me, 
I don't think, whilst I do think I had sales principles that I, that I could carry across with my agency, the biggest thing that I took across, which enabled me to scale so quickly, if not the number one thing, was that discipline of being able to stick to my daily targets. Because I see so many people out there and it's really frustrating, my own students, my own mentees, they start and, and lots of people start, they get a little bit of rejection, they struggle with a couple of cold calls, they give up for a couple of days, they lose momentum, and then before you know it, they've bought another course on Amazon FBA or Shopify or some different business model and that's the harsh reality of online business people people think that they can have information and information is instantly going to give them success they don't actually want to put in the hard work and actually have the dedication to stick to targets and I think for me that was the biggest thing it was having that discipline to say I know this works I know this works because thousands of people have done it before me I just need to stick to the figures know this is a numbers game and be resilient so I think that was my big thing Exactly. And like all these different business models can work. Like you see people having success in all these different areas, but you have to pick one. You have to go all in on one thing because if you don't, like you're not going to have success anywhere. Like flash back like two years ago, I was trying to do like 18 different things at once and I was having success with none of them. Like I, I was spreading my attention and my focus so thin that I wasn't really able to do much of anything uh, or have any success anywhere. But once you really focus in on one thing, that is where things start to change for you. And if you can push through that early rejection, because there's going to be a lot of that at first, that's, that's when you really have the potential to like make something great out of it. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, there's, it's almost like an inside joke within this online, online space, especially within the online education space as well, which obviously I'm heavily involved in too, that so many people are course junkies. Yeah. People will buy one course, they'll try for a week, they haven't made a million in a week, so they'll move on to a different one. And it's like, what's really frustrating is, because these guys are spending money, a lot of money everywhere, but what's not, not, not even looking at that and the point that they're jumping from course to course, is the, the frustrating thing is, and for any of your listeners who are listening to this, it's frustrating because every single one of those opportunities could have made you successful. Yeah if you just gave it the time. And it doesn't matter whether it's social media marketing. I'm not here to push social media marketing as a business model. Um, it's any of those opportunities that you've taken. Even the ones I haven't heard of, they, they wouldn't be out there if they weren't genuine viable business opportunities. So I think it's having that commitment and having that dedication to be able to stick to something and really kind of give it your all without going like dipping your toes and, and coming back out and trying something else. Exactly. So when you were starting off with your social media marketing agency, how did you decide what uh, services to sell to your clients? Because it sounded like one of them that you chose to sell was Facebook ads and you hadn't even run Facebook ads in the past. So how did you come up with like your services list? So really my services were very, very simple. Um, when I started out, so I, I had a very basic um, social media service list. No, I didn't actually present like a service list or anything. My sure. biggest thing is my biggest thing with, with when working for my clients is, and, and with sales in general is, I'm not a fan of marketing agencies which, which have specific packages, A, B, C, D. Because in my experience with sales, I feel like you wouldn't walk into a doctor's and say, hey, I'm ill, and then give you a bag of prescription and say, take this medicine, it'll make you feel better. Because it's not going to feel personal. You'll be like, what the hell? He hasn't even diagnosed me. And with a business, I always like to make sure that my services bespoke to them. But at the same time, when I first started, my services were very limited. I had experience with, with social media from doing the nightclub events and stuff, but not really in depth. Um, and as a basic from my research on like YouTube and on, on online and what other people had had success with, I knew that Facebook ads was a pretty good place to start. So Facebook ads, Instagram ads, which if anybody who's watching it, listening to this, um, who knows, um, 
about Facebook ads will know that you just tick a box to just make an Instagram advert. It's, it's that easy. So it's not hard as, as hard as having to make a completely different advert. And of course, as part of Facebook advertisement and Instagram advertisement, daily posting and scheduling is a byproduct of that. So I literally just focused on those three things because I saw that um, as the main services, the bread and butter that people were offering. Hmm. And then when you were talking to clients, was there a lot of like convincing that had to be done that social media was important or did a lot of them really understand that from the get go? So the majority of clients understood that social media was important, but in my area, um, we live, I live in a, not a massive city in a place called Norfolk in the UK. And it's not a big area and it, I would say that the businesses aren't the most tech savvy businesses. So they all knew that they should be doing these things, but it was for me, it was making them understand of how much money they're wasting in other platforms. So for instance, a lot of companies out here will waste a lot of money on billboards or, or, or signs on roads and things like that. They get teared down by vandals after a week and, and radio advertisements and a lot of methods which they could, which work no doubt in this area. But if they spent that same amount of money, like you could spend £2,000 a radio advert here, which is going to be seen by a very untargeted audience, you spend that money on Facebook, you redistribute those funds. And it was really kind of explaining to them how targeted Facebook could be. I think that was the biggest point for me. It was when I sat down in front of a business owner and I gave them an example like, hey, look, if we really wanted to on Facebook, we could target women aged 23 who live on a certain street in Bulgaria, like red jumpers and own a cat. Okay. And then saying something like that and they're like, wow, okay, I really didn't know that it was this targeted. And it was really just proving to them how targeted Facebook could be and how much money you can allocate to a very specific audience. So I, I think that was the big thing in, in my area. Hmm. So with actually executing on that, how did you begin to serve these clients? Like what, what kind of ads were you running for them? Um, and were they successful at first? Or like what, what were your sort of initial strategies? So for me, um, as I didn't really have much experience with Facebook ads when I first started, I mean, I started working with a restaurant client was my first client. And my second client was like a family friend who owned like a large scale furniture business. But with the restaurant, I, I, really, I really wanted to start working with restaurants more regularly. So I, I looked at, because I didn't really know what specific strategies worked online, I looked at what they were doing already. And I just made it compatible for an online, online marketing. So for instance, they were running like a two for Tuesdays offer. Okay. And they had this offer in the local newspaper and they were running that out like every week and had a little coupon. So I thought, okay, right. Food is one of those things. It's a commodity. Food is something that everybody needs. So I thought targeting wise, we don't really have to be specific. There's only 200,000 people in my city. That's not a very large audience as it is. So I thought, look, let me target everybody. Keep this quite broad. Let's run the offer, which is already very popular for them, two for Tuesdays. Create a very simple um, offer ad where they can actually redeem that offer on Facebook. We didn't even use a landing page for that to start off with. And um, we ran that and it worked really, really well. And alongside that, I knew that because they didn't have a very big online brand presence, they only had like 50 likes on their Facebook page. I wanted to run some engagement adverts as well. So get some really sexy piece, pictures of like food. They'd done like some really nice mixed grills and it just looked great. And we took some really good pictures, ran those as engagement adverts. I had a photographer friend who I brought in and they took loads of pictures. They cooked up loads of food and they just got so much traction. They had that social proof coming through. Then people would be retargeted with the offer. Um, and it, gained, it, it, it done really, really well. And then as that kind of fatigued a little bit, we tried out other things such as a free glass of wine with 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 your your meal or a free dessert coupon which we tested out on a landing page 
Um, and, and, and I had that time whilst we were starting to get results. I had that time to do more research on what was working for other businesses as well. So I think that was important. It was finding out at the start, just getting those, that very basic return on investment in and then starting to look online at what other people had done, what their competitors had done and try to replicate those strategies as well. Hmm. Do you have any good strategies that our listeners can start to implement as far as like finding out what other people are doing as far as like their ads go? So there's, there's no, there's no like black and white way of saying, Hey, these are the kind of businesses that you should check out. A lot of people go on a website called ad espresso, which is a good place to find a previous ads that businesses have used. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't filter out which ones are actually good and which ones are not so good. Uh, so what I would recommend, I always recommend in, in any of my meetings actually is I always recommend trying to look for a direct competitor of whoever you're meeting with. Because one of the main strategies we, I used to sell and my students used to sell is the law of comparison. Because businesses don't like being compared to other businesses, especially when you're trying to say, hey, this guy's doing a better job than you, even better if they're a direct competitor, because it's going to make them feel like we need to be doing better than them. So if you can find a, go on your, their direct pet competitors page, scroll down their newsfeed, or check out on paid transparency whether they're running ads in the first place, Try and find some kind of engagement advert. These are really good ways to, to compare those to your competitors. If not, and you're just using this to, to find new strategies that you can use for your clients, just hit up some of the big cities in your area. Go search for like just in, even the keyword restaurant and look at all the top restaurants with the most likes. Click page transparency and you'll be able to see some of the ads that they're running and you'll be able to replicate some of those. Hmm. So as far as like scaling your agency so quickly goes, what do you think were some of the biggest catalysts to that? Like where it was getting initial results for like this restaurant client and the furniture client, like did that really help you? Or like, what do you think allowed you to scale so quickly? Um, yeah. Getting, getting results quickly definitely did help. Um, it, it helped massively in the way that I only signed up about my, my first four, four or five clients before referrals started to roll through. Mm. So referrals was, was a massive thing for me. Um, as, as, as a salesman, as, as somebody who loves communicating with people, I love building solid relationships with everybody that I work with. And so I made a conscious effort to always touch base with all of my clients. When I didn't need to, non-business relating, we used to go to networking events and all sorts. I really wanted to be a part of my, my clients' lives and be very friendly with them. So they also felt very comfortable to introduce me to other people and to introduce me so my first restaurant client introduced me to a jeweler who introduced me to a dentist and that snowball effect started rolling in um, and I think that's a very very important thing to look at is, is, is do not have distant relationships with your clients because all business owners are friends with business owners because they want to associate themselves with like-minded people so that that was a massive part of it getting good results is very important but at the same time you shouldn't get bogged down with focusing on getting results if you don't feel confident about doing it yourself. So you should outsource that. And that's when I say it doesn't matter if you give away money to make sure you have happy clients because referrals are worth the weight in gold. Yeah, that's the truth. So when did you start bringing out additional help and when did you start building out your team? It was four clients in, I am um, three or four clients in. I actually, I, I went on the website Upwork um, yep. and uh, yeah, and Notorious Upwork. And I, um, I found a, a guy in Bulgaria actually, who, who it, it cost me like $50 a month for per client. And he was doing all of the content writing and scheduling. The problem is though, I was at that stage in my business, I wanted to get things as cheap as possible. And the actual quality of the work 
wasn't as good as it could have been. So what he did was in, in social media marketing, one of the most time consuming things I'm sure you, you, you'll agree is, is actually if you, if you agree to do management for a client, it's writing those posts and it's actually scheduling them daily because that isn't a, like a direct revenue generating task but it's the most time consuming. So for me, I was like, I want to eliminate that. I want to get a bunch of content, put it in a Dropbox folder, have this guy write all the posts, send them to me in an Excel spreadsheet, and I just check them out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, schedule this, schedule them all. Um, the problem is his English wasn't the best, so I had to actually go through and edit the captions. And mm. Whilst he had the basic framework there, I still found I had to invest a lot of time into it. So after about a month, I invested into a full-time member of, of the team, um, which I actually got through onlinejobs.ph, which is a Filipino outsourcing website. That's my favorite. Um, I feel like the quality is a lot better there because I, I always explain to people, I feel like Upwork is a place where there's a lot of freelancers that do a lot of blagging. And I think that's the place where a lot of people start. But the, uh, online jobs is like a genuine job hunting site. You've, so you've used it yourself. Oh, you? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, a, like you get proper CVs, proper qualifications. My ads guy has like a degree in English. And so when he then started writing these posts, it was just chalk and cheese. And it didn't cost me an awful lot more. So. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I'm always preaching about onlinejobs.ph. That's where I found some of my best VAs and just like people on my team. It's, it's crazy, crazy stuff. It's good. Very good. <laughs> so you were bringing on people initially just somebody for management. Did you end up scaling past that or like what other positions did you start filling in? Yeah. So I, I've got someone who does management. We have, an, we have someone who does ads and does full-time ads for the clients and I have a VA as well. Um, and I've got other people at part of the team, but they're not full-time members of the team. So my VA is full-time. So is my ads guy. And so is the, the, the management guy. He also does like in-between jobs as well. Um, so technically it's three full-time members of the team that contracted 40 hours a week. And then of course I do have a guy who does builds all of my funnels out, but he, he's got his own business. I've got a videographer, photographer, and there's, there's a whole heap of other people we have to bring in like, intellectual property lawyers and things like that so but they are all very much a typical contractor based role opposed to being like a full-time member of the team sure so like what are your typical days look like at this point in time i know no day is typical but like what are your standard tasks that you're doing so, so generally speaking, I mean, we, so on the agency side of things, it, it's, it's been autonomized for a very long time in a way that we don't do outreach ourselves anymore because we're, we're quite full up. And what, I, what I'd like to do eventually is I'd actually like to refine my client base a lot more. So I have a very small number of clients on very high retainers, a much higher quality clients. Um, whilst I love all of my clients, I'd like that to be, I'd like to be in that position ultimately. So, but, but my, my PA manages communications with me. I'm very much the middleman. My, my, my clients need anything, which they normally don't They're all pretty well behaved. They will speak to my, my PA who will speak to me and I'll delegate the work through to the, the ads guys. Um, I, sorry, my clients will speak to me. I speak to PA and then she delegates it across to everybody else. Um, so on a daily basis, it's probably about half an hour or so admin work that needs doing on the agency side of things because it's all running very nicely. But the most of my time comes from my training business because when I actually launched my agency and obviously I scaled up to like 10,000 in about 90 days, I had a lot of people asking me questions about how I was doing it. There was a lot of people who were struggling to scale their agency and wanting to know techniques. And so at that time I started a YouTube channel and I I scaled that up. I think we gained like 40, well, I'm looking at it right now, 39,000 subs um, in the first year, which I think is pretty okay for the yeah. first years of scale um and as part of that as messages started coming through and i couldn't really keep up with those i launched the social media marketing school which is my online training program so i launched that 
And um, we've, we've got over a thousand students in there now. I then wrote a book last year as well called The 50 Minute Agency. And that keeps me very, very busy. And I'll be lying if I said I love the agency, but I get a massive passion and, and kick from mentoring people. I absolutely love mentoring people and helping them to scale their own businesses and grow their own businesses. And I think I found my true passion when I started doing that. Whilst I love the agency-based stuff, I love teaching it even more. So mm. I invest a lot of time into that. I've started a six-month mentorship program. I physically mentor people and we're basically taking people, hand, holding them by the hand through the whole process. Um, and I think on a day-to-day -day basis, it's, the majority is, is, is putting in the foundations of, of building that forward. I've started doing speaking recently, so managing new events. I'm, I'm actually coming over to um, New York at the end of this, uh, end of this month now, on the 1st of July. So it's all full steam ahead, but, but it's, it's all progression-based stuff on a daily basis. I like to make sure that all of the stuff that doesn't actually push me forward, I have autonomized through the team, and I'm just working on the stuff which is working on those next steps. Hmm. So like, where, where is your vision taking you? Like, where do you want this, this thing to be in the next like year, two years, five years? Um, because it seems like you're, you're in um, a couple different spaces right now from like writing a book to speaking. So I'm curious, like where, where this is like, where the next steps are like taking you. Okay. So, I mean, ultimately, ultimately I'm just moving into to more of a position where I can impact more people. So at the stage I'm at the moment, I just want to scale up as, as much as I can. I want to build the brand as much as I can and help more people. I'm going to be doing a big rebrand at the end of the year um, on the agency, on the, um, the training side of things, which I can't go into too much now, but sure. that's all very, very exciting. And what I want to do is I really want to lay a solid foundation for the online education space within, within marketing and within agency, because I think there's a massive stigma in the e-learning the e and online education business around course sales and YouTubers and, and, and get rich quick schemes and all of this. And I think that's a massive problem because I'm not one of these typical YouTube guys where whilst I may look like it on the outside to some people who don't know my brand, the majority of people who come through me get by off me and they join my community because they trust me and they know that I'm authentic. And so for me, I really want to rid the stigma of the online education business and the course selling business and make it a lot more professional, whether that's government accreditations, whether that's marketing board approval, whatever that may be. I want to work with official regulations to make sure that that stigma is removed and that what people are actually learning is genuinely valuable and it's at the benefit of the student and not at the, the, the guru. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that, yeah, there, there is a huge stigma there and yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with like people trying to break that down because I think it's, it's, it's hugely detrimental to, to a lot of people's success. Massively, massively. There's so many people out there which, which have incredible knowledge, but they're tarnished with that same brush. And, it, and it's very hard. So I think for me, it's, it's really working out of a way to eliminate that and, and to come on top of that and to thrive from that. And I think with the speaking and the book, and there's a lot more authenticity there. There's a lot more, hey, look, I'm a real guy. I'm not some just guy on the YouTube who's, who's saying, hey, send you to my funnel, buy my course, let me put you in my automated sequence. Because mm. there's a lot more to it than that. And, and I'm genuinely dedicated to making sure that my students are successful. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting ride, but that's, that, that's basically where I want to take this. I just want to scale this up on a mass level and, and build a massive community. 
Mm, that's the truth. So what have you found some of the most effective sort of means to be for helping your students really succeed? Like, has it been like the one-on-one -on -one, like access to you or like what, what have you found to be the most impactful on, on students' ability to succeed? Because a lot of people, like you said before, will take online courses like these course junkies um, and they won't end up doing anything with it. So how do you, how do you engage with students? So, so one, one thing is I, I always make sure, and this is something that I promise to all of my students, I offer one-to-one -one mentorship with absolutely all, all of my students. Now, that's only, that's only as much time as I can physically commit. So we have a VIP support email address, and people email me through there. I always answer that within 24 hours so they get full contact with me. But the most successful guys, and, and it's true, a lot of people, the, 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 the probably – five to ten percent of people that take an online course will actually be successful through that program some people buy these programs and forget they've even bought them you'll be you'll be you'll be shocked how much money there is out there from people who, who do this and then they forget about it and that's the reality of an online course but one thing i noticed is very up until very very recently i haven't done a lot of physical mentorship hmm. and as part of the events that we've been hosting one of the main products that we've been promoting is physical one month mentorship or six month mentorship program where we actually sit down with people once a month or once for every six months. So once a month for six months and we actually help them out and work on a bespoke solution to them and actually work out what works for them. Cause there are so many different outreach methods. There are so many different ways to sign clients. There's so many different ways to get results. Okay. But, I can teach all of those in the course and then I leave it up to the person to decide what it is that they want to do. When you're physically with somebody and you can understand somebody and you can relate to them and you can work out their character, you can start to come up with bespoke solutions for them and you can start to work out, okay, I think that you're going to be much better off doing video outreach than you are going to be doing cold calling because you've got so much charisma. You come across great on camera. You come across great in person, your body language, amazing, or on the, often the, on the, flip side there are people out there who are really reserved they've got a lot of anxiety they would maybe just be better off doing instagram dms and having a completely different strategy and the big thing from that as well away from outreach methods it's accountability and i always make sure for instance in our six month account a six month mentorship program we we get our guys to send over their agency growth report which is essentially their way of tracking all of their sales figures and making sure they're making calls and dms and they can lie on those if they want to but they're only cheating themselves they send them over every week and we stay on top of that and if they if they don't hit their targets for weeks on end we'll remove them from the program because they're not serious about their success and we make sure that we only take on a very limited number of people through that program because it's in my best interest to have the most successful students come through there. And it's in their best interest if they're investing a hell of a lot of money for them to be successful. So accountability is a big thing that we're introducing at the moment and really saying, hey, look, how much do you actually want this? How much do you actually want to be successful? Or do you just want someone to hold your hand the whole way? Hmm. I like that a lot. I like those like, like sending in like actual metrics of like what you've been doing and what your results have been because that that really gets people to like, to, to be real yeah. with themselves. They feel guilty if they're not doing yeah. it. Wow, yeah. that's, that's super cool, that's super cool. Do you have any other um, sort of things that have worked particularly well for you as far as like the way you structure your programs, or, like the way you put things together? So, I mean, my, my, my program is, is, is very much typical video training. Um, we sure. do like live Q&As every, every couple of weeks, um, but I add a lot of new content in there. So we mm -hmm. add content like every month or so, any new lessons. I mean, Facebook's always changing and there's always different ways of doing things. Up, up, up until very recently, they've changed the way that you can add clients on your, your, your ad accounts and everything. And we always make sure that we keep everything up to date. 
but I wouldn't say there's anything out of the norm that we do. Um, we're introducing a new award system over the next couple of months. So we're getting some really nice awards being built up at the moment um, called the Affluent Agency Award. And we're going to be rewarding those to our most successful agencies that we've built through the school. You have to apply to get it. There's no specific criteria. Well, there is going to be on the back end, but you have to apply to get that. And what we want to start doing is we want to really start shouting about everybody who's come through the program, not in the way that, and I think a lot of people have this wrong. And not to slander any other gurus out there. But I think a big problem within the space is everybody talks about, hey, you signed a client for 10 grand, well done, okay? But that's about taking, that's not about giving, okay? So that's not about how, what have you done for your clients? What, have, what results have you gotten? How established is your business? And I think a lot of people get rewarded for how much money they get off clients. You've signed a massive client, well done, you've done this, you're 17 years old and you've, you've made 10 grand. But how established are you? What's the longevity? How much results are you getting for your clients? Um, and I think that's a really important thing to focus on. So we've, I'm very proud to say we've established a lot of fully fledged agencies and we're going to start shouting about those agencies, doing interviews with their owners and looking at this on more of a professional level, more than, hey, let's get rich quick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and absolutely. So yeah. I, I want to be proud of these guys and, and, and shout about these guys and, and, and give them the, 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 the respect they deserve. So they're going to get a really nice like aluminium award that we're getting designed up and we're going to start implementing that. So yeah, it's going to be cool. I love it. So do you have any mentors or anyone that you look, look up to either in the entrepreneurial space, the social media marketing space, or like who are the guys that you are, are, are aspiring to, to look up to? Do you know, it, it, it's really interesting because I get asked this a lot. And, sure. and you know, I, I think I am, I, I think I'm one of the, the, the very few online marketers out there who do a lot of YouTube content and do a lot of stuff who tries not to absorb myself with too much external fuzz. There's people I respect, people I've got amazing respect for, such as Sam Ovens, for example. Yeah. I, I completely admire his, his dedication and his, and his drive. He's just, he's just something from another planet. And I think yeah. <laughs> he's, he's an incredible, incredible guy. Um, and I and admire him. What I try not to do is absorb myself with too much information that then I get distracted from my own personal vision. Um, because I trust myself in a way that I know which way I want to go. And I think if a lot of people get too absorbed with how other people have done things and it massively changes them. And then they're trying to be somebody else instead of being themselves. And so I wouldn't say there's one or two guys that I really look up to. I tell you what I do more than anything else is I look up to the guys who are on the same level as me and we're on the same journey together. And I enjoy doing that. There's, for instance, my, my funnel guy is a guy called Gary White um, from Funnel Junkies. He builds funnels for me and he's, he's a very knowledgeable guy and he's done some incredible work for, for a lot of people and he's not by no means a multimillionaire, okay? But he's, he's a very well-off guy and he's got a lot of knowledge as a person and he's a lot, a lot of humility and I respect him and I look up to him on that level. And my friend Johnny, who we both quit these jo our jobs together, we were on a very similar journey. Um, on the same level, we're, we're learning from each other every single day. He does something, he's like, hey, have you tried this tweak with your email automations? I'm like, yeah, yeah, have, have you done this? And we bounce off each other. So I think it's important to have people you can relate to and bounce off and you can, you can vibe with when you're on that journey. But at the same time, I don't think that you should completely absorb yourself with, with, with somebody else's journey so much that you stop being yourself. That's so key. And I mean, I was, I was so guilty of that. Like 18 months ago, I was absorbing every piece of content Gary Vee put out and my goals just became Gary Vee's goals. Like I was doing all the actions he told me to do because 
I just, I just respected him and I'm like, oh, well, if he says to do this, then I better do this. And then I ended up doing a thousand different things and not making any progress. And I wondered why. And it was because I had compromised my goals and just basically turned my goals into Gary Vee's goals for me. And that is something that I see a lot of young people guilty of. They're consuming so much content that they forget why they started. They forget what their actual goals are. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, massively. It's, it's, a, it's a big point. It's, it's a really big point. And I haven't, I haven't really, it's, it's, it's something I've never really like gone into much like with, with mentors. And I've read a lot of books which have had a big impact on me, such as The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That's, that book has had a massive impact on my morning routine and how I've done things. And, but I've never really dived into an individual. Hmm. That's, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Because a lot of people that I interview say they do have like a couple people that they really look up to, but it's interesting that you sort of try to stay away from that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> so I'm curious as well, how you think about social media and the role that that has for your business as far as like personal branding goes. Because I know at this point, that's probably how you get a lot of your, your clients for your um, academy and, and for your school. So how do you sort of balance your time between like social media world and like real life? And um, has that ever been like a struggle for you to, to maintain both of those things? Yeah, this is, this is a conversation I was having with, with a friend in the space the other day. Um, and, and it's really interesting. So social media is, is obviously, it's the lifeblood of my business yeah. and my personal brand. Um, but there is a, a huge amount of pressure that comes with that. Um, massively. And, it, and, I, and I grossly underestimated that when I first started. And the crazy thing is for me, I mean, I've only got like 30,000 followers on Instagram. And as I said, like 40,000 on YouTube. And they, that for me, are very, they're very small figures in the grand scheme of things. Okay. When you look at other people, um, but I know how much, how much, how many messages, how many outreach I have to like keep up with, how many people my PA has to filter through. And I've got a full-time member of staff just to reply to Instagram messages. <laughs> and so that pressure, when you know that people are depending on you, it's, it's a lot. And it's very hard to maintain that with your personal life to, because your friends aren't going to understand. They're not going to really understand what's going on. It's going to be almost a big joke to people to start off with. And then it's very, very hard to bring people in on that life. If you're maintaining a relationship, if you're, if you're, you're trying to see your friends. So I think it's really knowing when to shut off. And I think it's really knowing, I think it's key to know when it's time to separate your personal life from your business life. Um, so for instance, I always try to make sure that I don't look over my phone until I'm like until about 10 a.m. in the morning because I don't want to have like external distractions. I want to focus on okay, this is what I want to achieve from the day. Morning for me is my my time when I when I read in the morning. I go to the gym in the morning. I'm working on myself. I work out what it is I want to achieve from the day, um, and I don't want external distractions. And at the same time, in the evenings after I've finished working, which changes all the time. Tonight it'll probably be about 6:37. I don't. I'm not one of those people that stays up till two in the morning working because I don't think that's healthy I do think at the same time you need to have personal time to relax but in the evenings I will eliminate myself from reading through my Instagram messages or checking through my Facebook feed or reading through my emails I really do try and separate those two things because I think you can get bogged down very very quickly with that that's that's so huge and that's something that I've been working on a lot as well it's just like really prioritizing like okay when do I need to just like turn everything off and just really be present in the moment because Instagram and like social media is designed to be addicting and it's really, really good at that. So if you don't mindfully choose to like separate yourself from that from for, for certain periods of time, like it can, it can suck you in like hard. 
Massively, massively. I'm sure you've you've felt the same thing when you're like if you're like sat with friends or you're out and you're like you're you've got business on your mind and you're like yeah. on your phone and then you like you have this realization like shit man like what must everyone be thinking of me because I'm just like constantly in business mode and I even said it I even said it to a friend the other day I was like do you get sick how much I talk about my business because for me it's like it's everything it's like the centerpiece of my life but for other people who work normal jobs it's very alien to them and I think you really need to to to, to learn to accept that and remind yourself of that yeah that's that's a huge that's a huge thing as well just like with friends significant others like talking about your business like it's it's always on my mind something that I'm really passionate about but like that's yeah like you said it's, it's foreign to other people who, who aren't experiencing that same thing with like the job that they work yeah no exactly that's crazy. So Jordan, I have some questions that I do like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. So you feeling ready for those? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Awesome. So the first thing that I'm curious about is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? Could be in your business, could be in the wider realm of like social media marketing, but like what's got you fired up? Wow. Um, what's got me excited? I mean, right now, because literally two months ago, I know I mentioned earlier, I, I started, my, I did, hosted my first speaking event and I hosted that in, in, in London. I had, I've now done two. And um, on the second one, we, we, we had a massive turnout. We had to turn away 100 people. Like we, we, we overbooked, but we didn't think that everybody was going to turn up. We were looking at like the rules of show up rates on free events. And I was like, okay, we'll be fine. We'll be well within reason. And we had to turn away over 100 people, which was crazy. And then we're hosting this event in New York at the end of, at the end of this month. And I'm really excited to see where that takes me. Because ever since a kid, I've always, it's, it's kind of weird because I feel like, I don't, I, I don't know if I believe in fate, but I feel like I've, I've built, I've crafted what's happened today in the way that I've always, since a very young age, I've always said to people, I want to be speaking one day. I want to be able to captivate an audience on stage. I used to do drama. I used to act in, in, in our local theatre. And I've always wanted to do that. And so to now be able to make that a reality and not just be speaking about waffle and, 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 and have meaningless chat to actually host the event and have everybody there captivated about what I'm going to be talking about. That's really exciting for me right now to see where that's going to take me. Mm, I love it. I've been getting more into public speaking myself, not hosting events, but speaking at different conferences and stuff. Nice. And I can tell you it's, it's so powerful to be able to really see how you're impacting people in real life. Cause I mean, social media is great and you can reach tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, but when you're in person, like you can see those people in the audience, they come up to you afterwards, like that stuff is like really, really moving. It's, it's overwhelming. I had, when I, literally on my second event, when we had that, when we turned people away, I actually cried after it. I was genuinely like, this is crazy. Like it was so, it was such a shock to my system. I'm so used to people messaging me on social media, but when you have people, as you said, face to face and they're coming up to you now and they're talking about the impact you've had. And that's, that's, it's such, it's such an incredible feeling. Yeah. It's, it's crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you mentioned that your mornings are, are pretty important to you. What, what kind of habits do you have? And like, what are, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis that have sort of helped you level up? Okay. So, um, for me, I mean, my, my prime time is mornings for me. So, so I wake up at like five thirty AM and I, I read for about an hour. So I read, I try to meditate when I can, but to be honest with you, it doesn't always play fit into play. So I read for about an hour. It's something personal development based, whatever I'm working, something that's relevant to whatever I'm working on at the moment. Cause I want it to motivate me for the rest of the day. I then head off to the gym for an hour and I come home and, uh, I just chill out for a little bit before I then start working. And, and when I do that chill out, time I, I do some affirmations and I write a list of all the things I want to achieve um, for that day sometimes I even write the list the night before 
But for me, the mornings set me up massively for the rest of the day because I feel like when I'm walking home, I, I literally, I, I live on the river in my city and my, my gym is like one building away from me. So it's like a 30 second walk. When I'm walking back along the river, like, and I'm looking at all the flats and all the curtains are shut and I'm like, I've achieved so much this morning whilst everybody else is asleep. And for me, that is a massive boost for the rest of the day to, to get shit done and to be motivated. So I would say that's probably my biggest habit, which has had the biggest impact on, on my productivity and the growth of my business. Hmm. Have, have you always sort of been naturally a morning person or is that something you had to like sort of work towards? So I, I, I read that book, The, the Miracle Morning, yeah. and I'm, I, I, I've... I, to be honest, before I read that, I was one of them people that literally would just wake up and then they'd quickly jump in the shower, scoff your breakfast down and run to work. And, and that was me. So I was always in a rush. But at the same time, when I did wake up early back then, it, I got, it felt good. So I knew that I had the potential to be a morning person, but I definitely had to train myself. Over, over like the course of a month, I had to wake myself up. Like every week, I, waked, I woke up an, half an hour earlier. So I, I woke up at like half seven, then seven, then half six and six. I was waking up at 5 a.m. for a time, but now I'm giving myself a little bit of a break and <laughs> calling it half five. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Jordan, it's been a pleasure talking with you today and I'm super grateful for your time. Where can our listeners go if they want to find out more about you, um, social media marketing, everything that you're up to right now? Wicked. So, um, I, if you want to search me up, it's the same on all social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It's Jordan Platten, J-O-R-D-A-N-P-L-A-T-T-E-N. Search me up. You won't miss me or just head over to jordanplatten.co.uk. Um, you'll find all of my links on there if you want to check me out. And of course, if you, you have any questions at all, you want to reach out, say hi. Probably the best place to reach out to me is Instagram DM because I, whilst my PA filters those through, I always make sure that I get to see all of those messages and overlook them as well. So you'll get hold of me whatever way um so instagram dm would probably be the best way to get hold of me and and yeah it's, it's been wicked i've really really enjoyed being on today so thank you for having me here yeah it's been a pleasure and i'll be sure to link up all of those in the show notes below to make it as easy as possible for our listeners to find you on all those different platforms now jordan again super grateful for your time and you choosing to spend it here on young smart money do you have any last uh, parting thoughts words of wisdom or anything that you want to leave our listeners with today Oh, put me on the spot. Put me on the spot. <laughs> no, just, just, just one really simple thing. And it's, it's the biggest thing that stopped me from starting my business when I first started. And if you're watching this right now and you want to get into business, my biggest thing that stopped me was thinking that I had to reinvent the wheel, thinking that I had to invent the next Uber, the next Airbnb. And I did that for years and years and years. And I always used to say, when I have my idea, I'm going to be successful. Forget about that. Look for something which has already been done. Make it your own and make it better. So yeah, that's my pattern for there you go. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just make a better wheel, guys. It's been a pleasure. Jordan, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Um, and it's, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Well, y'all, that is a wrap. That's another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I got two quick asks of you really quick. The first of which is if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean the absolute world to me. We're closing in on 200 reviews right now. Um, I read each and every one of those. And if you uh, screenshot it, tag me in your Instagram story, I will be sure to repost that 
as well. The second thing that I want to ask you is if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, okay, learning how I was able to take young smart money from the ground up, turn it into a top 100 business podcast in a few short months, I put together this free training that I'm giving away to people, basically teaching you the secrets to podcasting, the stuff that other people aren't really talking about. Like you can find videos online of like the best podcasting setup or like the best podcasting gear, but no one's really talking about how to land big guests, how to network with influencers, how to actually monetize your show. So I want to put together a free training uh, for that. If you guys are interested, the link will be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, you can go to applecriter.com slash podcast. That's applecriter.com slash podcast and check out that absolutely free training that I put together for y'all to uh, get yourself educated in the world of podcasting because that's something that I'm really passionate about. So I want to teach others, but guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Don't want to waste too much of your time. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you chose to spend this last hour here on Young Smart Money.